Episode 656, that Hey Now is, of course, our homage to Howard Stern. And I wanted to say I have added one homage to my uh, comedy set that I'm doing to Bob Newhart. Yes. um, Oh, that's a reference nobody in that audience is ever going to get. I wonder. I mean, like, not a rep, but, like, you can use his thing and nobody would even know where it's from. Nobody. Well, now that I've said it, people will be on the lookout. But it is a famous joke, but I'm tailoring it to our audience of challenge. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay. First up, we got to read a review. (gasps) Read in a review. Good for me and you. Good for me and you. There, I just made up our own theme song. Thank you to the people that are trying to offset the guys that were mean to us. Thank you, guys. Um, Gals, probably. Mega Waffle says... Good name. She's leaving a five-star review to offset the stupid one-star reviews mentioned in the most recent episode. Um, or maybe second most recent. <laughs> She's like <laughs> overthinking it. I love. Anyways, classic brain. Candy these brain. are the two smartest, most honest, most relatable women in the podcast world. I've been a listener since episode twelve. Wow. Wow. Good. We'll she skipped support- over our few first ones. Yes. We're just getting the hang of it. Smart, smart gal. Smart gal. And we'll support Susie's negativity and subsequent teasing of Sarah's camp endeavors for as long as they have a platform. I love you both and all you do for women. Thank you, Mega Waffle. Oh, I love it. Suze, what does it feel like to be a female icon? (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good question, What does it feel to be a role model? Thank you for asking me. (laughs) all women out there. (laughs) You know what? Doesn't it ever strike you um, that we have human beings <laughs> that will mm-hmm. listen to us talk about the stuff that we happen to really care about mm-hmm. and we get to make a living doing it? It feels super awesome. And I feel so lucky that I found like, you're going to hate, th- I'm not even going to say that word. Say it's it. a community. It's the T-R-I-B-E word that we're <laughs> not going to use anymore. But I, it's a community, a network. It's so nice. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, book and club, it's so beautiful. Our doc club, and then all of our listeners and our patrons. Three cheers! <laughs> Three cheers we for love you. you guys so much. We do. We like, love you. It's so fun. Everybody knows how to have a good laugh. Everybody knows how to. Uh, I mean, or I shouldn't say knows how. Like we're all just trying over here to be vulnerable and be open. And support each other. And we are, I think, in, at, I think that you and I do a good job. You do a, such a good job of like validating me and making me feel good. And you are so accepting of who I am. Oh my God, it makes me want to cry. Ah! How can I not be? That's what's so, so funny. I think that that <clears throat> is something that people like recognize and they feel watching, er, watching this, maybe watching it if you're on Patreon because you can watch this. Hey. <laughs> um, video of me about to cry. Uh, but if you're like listening to this, it makes people feel like they can also be maybe vulnerable or share or like, you know, be I a supportive so. friend or have a hard day or like get excited about nerdy things or get mad at the patriarchy or, or all that stuff that yeah. we do. I think it's like, it feels so lucky, but I, I, I feel like we are not as alone as sometimes it feels like we are because we have this wonderful... Uh, you know, yeah. group of listeners. We really do. Community that's so fucking awesome. And Sorry. I'll see like other podcasters be like, I love I the know. little community we created. Shut up. You have a dumb community. 
Our community is great. Yours is See, down. this is our Susie and I are different. I'm like, well, their community is good for them. And, no. But like, join ours because it's better. It's better. And mm-hmm. Sarah is drinking an adorable Aperol, Aperol spritz. spritz with a straw. She looks adorable. Well, so here's the thing. I did the straw because I the ice was making a lot of fucking noise I like whenever it. I went to go sip it. So I thought that would be less noisy and it turned out more noisy. Here, so, say cheers. Yeah. I'm going to take your picture. Cheers. That's so cute. We're drinking. Just like a little. It feels yeah. like, I mean, it's 2 p.m. over here. Yeah, it's an afternoon That's delight. That's an afternoon drink. I have nothing to do. So nice. Thanks for spending your afternoon doing with me. Um, <laughs> okay, what did I want to start with? I say with? I have nothing to do. I have to record this podcast. What am I well, saying? Yeah. You know what I mean. But yeah. I feel like a little lubrication never hurt nobody. Never. Okay. First, except in one of my therapy episodes when like, it's funny because somebody left a review and they were like, what happened to Sarah in episode three? Is she drunk? And I'm like, nope, I'm not. Cause we record that really early in the morning and I do, I am definitely sober during that. So I don't I know what. I want to listen to this changes everything episode three don't, just to that's the worst out. one. It's the most cringy. But that's the one that where they thought you were drunk. Four, five, and six are so good. I want to see why she thought best. you were drunk. Yeah. I, because I, I was nervous it's and it, it's just me being me. I think because I was like, what even are feelings? And they were like, <laughs> and then Jeff laughed and then I think people were like, she must be drunk. Nobody talks like that. Actually, I do. <gasps> Sober. God, I, haven't, so- barely, I haven't even started drinking this drink yet. God, I'm like two sips in. We are so lucky to be here today with Sarah. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Oh, my goodness. Okay, first step um, is that I wanted to talk about, okay, I guess this is twofold. The first part of the story is, well, should we talk about my lips and what happened or not? Hey, they're your lips. I'm not going to pry, but. I just wanted you all to know, if you were following my lip filler journey, (laughs) You know how influencers call everything a journey? Yes, it is a journey. Well, it was quite a nightmare for a second. And about 36 hours after it was all over, it was fine. But like, my God, what we do for like the patriarchy beauty standards. (laughs) Yeah. Which is exactly what it is. What was your... So if anybody does not follow Susie or... and not in our close friends. I think it was in your yeah. close friends that you posted this photo. Well, and the photo was in close friends. Yes, book, book club and everything. 
she had what one can only describe as an allergic reaction to the filler that made her lips. They always swell. It's always yeah, that's like, like normal. It like really looks like yeah. crazy duck lady for like 24, 12 hours. 48 hours. Yeah. Like, but then by the next morning you're like, eh, it's fine. It's, it's passable yeah. as human. Yeah. yeah. But this was extreme. And my son said to me, like, I go, what if they explode? Which oh it's weird to have a 10 year old in your house witnessing this. And for you to have to say, oh, I inject my lips with right. hydraulic acid right. because I have bought into patriarchal, patriarchal beauty standards. But everyone is but, beautiful and don't judge other people. <laughs> and you're great the way, just the way you are. Don't change a thing. I mean, I talk openly. I'm like, I'm trying to look pretty. I know it's crazy. Like... It's and, not any different than people like to me it feels like when you really break it down. Yeah. This is an accessory. This is I I call it performing beauty. Totally. Oh. Cuz it is. It's we're all performing. It is performing things. beauty yeah. and in the same way there are different types of performances like different dances you could do. There I think about you doing anything like fillers or botox whatever. And me getting tattoos and pierced up to explain the difference. I see what you're saying. It's well, another way of modifying their body and yeah. changing it from its original form to, I don't know, adorn it, make yeah, it it's for more social capital. customized, make it make you f- like f- fit in and sub- whatever it is, personal preference. Uh, you know, and then you get to that age where like, oh, my tattoos are for me. I'm like, yeah, but I still like want to fucking look good. And I think that looks super hot when you ha- like, so, and well, if it's your lips that make you feel that, fucking inject that shit. Who cares? I pointed out, I think it was in our Zoom live on Patreon, that it does seem funny to me that we do put people like Dolly Parton and Cher on this pedestal and love that they perform beauty in yes. that extreme way, but that when... Younger people do it, it's seen in a different way because it is different. It is about like right. the mating ritual and yeah. wanting people to think you're something, whatever. Ooh. It's all okay. Related. Could it be it? It's almost like you're how do I even describe this? Like when you do it and you're younger, you're trying to maybe in somebody's eyes trick somebody. Ah. Uh. Yeah. When you do it when you're older, you're just trying to... It's like a costume. It's a costume or it's almost... Because we've erased older people from society. Like, we just hide them. We say, like, this is not Uh, beautiful. We don't... So it's almost like, oh, good. You're making yourself more the way that we accept you. We'll allow it. But yeah. if you're doing it when you're younger, where you're you're, no, I no, you follow the, already are in this. I think the danger you're just zone trying to trick people is the danger zone for me is between forty and sixty, because younger people just think they're beautiful. They men are always tricked into thinking, oh, they're not wearing any makeup. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're not doing Botox. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And from forty to sixty, that's when it looks like you're white knuckling it. And trying to mm-hmm. pretend like you're something you're not. Yeah. And then after so you're weird. 60, everyone's like, yeah, you're an old bat. Who cares? Whatever. Right. So, uh, okay. Susie, yeah. you are perfectly kind of uh, explaining what I've been experiencing 
When I put on more makeup now, I feel like it makes me look ridiculous and in a way older. Yeah. Because I'm right on that cusp of like, it's the, like, oh, what are you doing? Housewives. It's better if I just wear like, you know, no makeup, tinted moisturizer and throw some mascara on. Or if I like. Go like, full glam, like drag da, queen. Like, right. It's, there's no, like just a little bit in between. It looks almost like I'm trying too hard. In well, a way. yes. And that is exactly what I'm doing, everyone. Okay? And actually, now that Make- you mention it. <laughs> Totally what I did. <laughs> I had no like mistake. four extra free hours before like a, a you know party that Eli and I went to with the family and he he was like, Whoa, makeup. And I was like, Oh <laughs> Yes. We did this. Now it's a thing. Fuck's sake. And it it's like took fun. me hours. So it's I was like, fun. who has this time? Not me. No, it's fun to try that stuff, but it is it does like put a mirror up to your face when you do have an incident, whether it was when my hair fell out from the bleach or the oh my God hyper swollen lips right. or whatever will happen in the future, which is inevitable. Yeah. I had a botched Bot- Botox job once that made me look like what? a joker. No. Some of our photos. You, you had like, like a lazy eye or something? What? No, just Droopy? more like very pointy brows that were like, ooh, it looked like. Is that I botched looked- or is it awesome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say when I got done, you're like, no, you look refreshed and great. <laughs> you look refreshed. In my mind, I was like, whoa, I look surprised. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm surprised at is that you guys have not checked out pear eyewear yet. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? This is the perfect time to do it because holidays are coming up. And anybody who's, who knows me yes. knows that I love a theme. She- <laughs> I love – I mean, look, right? Look at my nails right now. We've got like spooky skeleton nails. Yes, very cute. What would be cuter? Nothing. Than spooky skeleton nails is – matching glasses matching to go with it and don't worry if you're like sarah i can't buy skeleton glasses that would be cuckoo crazy i can't have those forever don't worry you can just pop off the frames pop on a different color oh you want black oh you want uh, sunglasses oh you want christmas oh you want (laughs) your teacher and you want cute little like rulers and pencils and apples they have that there you go yes because okay so pair eyewear you do the um virtual Um, try on so you get to try on all the frames and pick what you love but then you can choose these magnetic tops they go and then they pop on they really do make that noise yeah very good sound effects we didn't add that that was natural (laughs) so it's free yes they pop onto your base frames and then you can color coordinate yeah you can be quirky eyeglass girl yes this is like think miss frizzle yes I love them, but mm-hmm. mostly I loved how easy it was. Like the virtual try on that. I hate going into the yeah. store. You look like a lunatic trying on stuff. So this was like, you try them on, you pick the ones you want, and then you can get all these fun, whimsy filled. Yes. Um, or if you just want regular, you get regular. Yeah, you like I got get regular. black tortoiseshell and then ones that pop on their sunglasses. Yeah. I really liked that. Like I wanted the, I like the option of like, I love it. You know, Outdoor and dark. They start at just 60 bucks too. So this isn't going to break the bank. This is like affordable, fun, wonderful eyeglass company. Because they're like, you know, they're breaking up the old monopoly. I don't know if you heard, but there was a whole eyeglass monopoly. Get glasses as ever-changing as you are with Pear. Go to PearEyewear.com slash BrainCandy for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off P-A-I-R Eyewear.com slash BrainCandy. Okay. Here's what I want to start with. 
I had watched on Hulu a quote-unquote documentary about um, Richard Simmons. And oh, is this looking for Richard Simmons or something like that? Or that's Richard a podcast. Simmons is missing? Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it. <clears throat> Which was very popular because he basically fell off the face of the earth, and people were like, "What? What happened to this guy?" Yeah. And so, basically, it's the documentary version of, I guess, that podcast. Now you put in quotes. Air quotes. It was produced by TMZ. Oh, that please should tell you everything. So. This is not well made. This is one oh. of these dealies where they like, they just put a bunch of things together, clips that already exist, and then a couple people like reading a script saying like, yeah, and then he felt really upset about whatever. And it's not authentic in any way. So it's, this mm. isn't like a well-made documentary or anything like that. Yeah. But I liked it because I wanted to get the scoop on what is the deal? Everyone's been so worked up about Richard Simmons. Where did he go? Well, la, la. okay. <laughs> so la, la, la. basically they made the argument using um, archival footage of mm-hmm. previous interviews and things he's done to say that this is a guy who – poured his heart out for like 30 years in the public eye and you know how he would always like cry yeah he was very emotional yeah and and then if you like i i guess people would contact him i know my friend kelly did one time to help her friend and he personally writes them back wow and he and it's not just one time like there's a back and forth and imagine how many people are contacting richard simmons to talk about their own weight issues or body issues and then or maybe their friend like my friend Kelly did. And it's oh. like, dude, you needed boundaries because Well, I was just thinking that in my mind. Boundaries in one having struggling with boundaries seems to be a thing. You mean as I like think- a human? Yeah, human like I, human experience, and I yeah. think in his life, like I think oh. that in the same way, when you are uh, somebody who struggles with addiction, that oftentimes that addiction can like transfer to maybe something else. Like, yeah. okay, I don't drink anymore, but now I'm obsessed with working out, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think he struggled with boundaries around food when he was younger, and then those maybe the same kind of feeling of fulfillment and satisfaction and gratification and serotonin dopamine like addiction and all that. transfer yes that he oh, got to from helping food, people i think yes wow that is so insightful and you're right that makes yes. sense and they did not put it as astutely as you oh have. oh tmz did not come <laughs> to that conclusion oh i am so shocked <laughs> right it was more like how on earth could that have happened <laughs> i mean essentially he i think anybody that saw richard over those the 80s 90s could see that this is a guy who yeah. was like um a little unhinged but yeah. it was really beautiful because he was so loving and fun yeah i think he was somebody who probably had high emotional reactivity what is we'll that, that exactly like how do you define like it? you when you feel things, you feel them a lot. When you have an emotion, you have it intensely. Yeah. And, and we are the, um, we are like wise mind, sense of self, is in control of that nozzle. 
on emotions, on like the the water spout of emotions, if you want to kind of imagine it like yeah. that. And sometimes people struggle with how much or little to turn that gauge to how yeah. much to let out. And so oftentimes that it's because there can be, um, you know, it's like high highs and low lows almost. And I can mm-hmm. kind of see that like he experiences things very intensely. And if you have those big emotions, you, there's always a swing. Well, and I think those people that. who maybe if we called them highly sensitive people that they mm-hmm. tend to, um, they might have a higher propensity for addiction because of those extreme natures and also the need to like calm the. Yeah. On both ends. I want to feel a lot. And then now I feel a lot. I need to feel less. Turn it down. I need Mm -hmm. to turn it down. And so, yeah, I can definitely see that. And so, yeah. So like what he had, like he in West Hollywood, he had um, a studio, I think it was called slim. What Richard Slimmons. I think it was like, because my friend Tim, he would go do uh, aerobics at Slimmons. And sometimes Richard would come and it was always like a scene. And of course, the gays love him and all that jazz. But then one day he just put up a sign and it was like, you know, we're going to be closed for a while due to like, he had like, I think he had like hip replacement or some sort of Mm. medical thing. But then he just never came back. And some people speculate that he didn't want anyone to see him less than fit. Yes. So if you can't work out and you yeah. you have medical situations where you can't exercise, that yeah. is part of his identity. It's part of yeah. his brand. So I'm sure that added to it. But it's just strange that he never even goes out to dinner, that he just lives with his housekeeper, who some people have said is like elder abuse because it's so weird. Yeah. But I think maybe he just is a private guy and... He always had parts of this, mm-hmm. um, and then it just, like, caught up with yeah. him. And maybe if there was a physical ailment or something that happened to his body that made it so he couldn't do the things that allowed him to be that support for other people or feel that connection in his mind. Like, yeah. he, he could have still, you know, with just being who he is and... and them watching old videos of whatever, but in his mind, thinking that he maybe can't provide that, maybe it affected his self worth, and yeah. then is is feeling like that. I don't know. Maybe there's not. He hasn't come up with a new thing to offer, so he's kind of well. Like going, it feels like it's he went from all to nothing, which is an addictive right. thing. High highs, low lows. Yeah, that it's it's. You know, but it sure is weird. But yeah. it just made me think about how I had read this article. I think it was in the Hollywood Reporter, and it was talking about how documentaries are so much more popular now. Um, yes, I was thinking this as soon as you said TMZ produced a documentary. I'm like, what is going on? Right, okay. and I it's think that we... the demand well, is surging. Susie, yes, this is what is happening. Tell. <laughs> Remember what reality television used to be? Yeah. And they used to call it documentaries. And they, like, just yeah. like uh, John Murray does and says that he's a documentarian and, like, this is him. So what happened is they recognized people's real lives are fascinating to us. 
Yeah. So they created a genre around it. Then that genre became so, um, like, oversaturated and also watered down and produced. Yeah. It stopped being what it was. But people still craved what reality TV was, which was authenticity. And so then, oh, my gosh, don't you see it? When the production value on documentaries went up, people's attention started going to them. It's like I was wondering, I'm like, am I just getting older and start and like documentaries more? Or has it, all of society started like – and I think it's the latter. Yeah. And so that – I think that the same thing that reality TV provided 20 or 30 years ago, documentaries are providing now. Yeah. And people are thirsty for that. And then in the same way, we saw reality television become more produced in order to meet the demands of people wanting the extreme and blah, 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 blah. We are seeing the same thing happen with documentaries. And that why that's dangerous is because it is going to make us question what is the truth and what yeah. is – it's the same thing that – Oh my God, I watched that episode, the third episode of the bling ring thing. You were right. Yeah. Those producers were cringy. In our 15 minutes of blame, I talked about how the one of the people involved in the bling ring, which was robberies of celebrities, was happened to be making a pilot for E at the time. And so they in this docuseries interviewed some of the producers from that reality show and it was disgusting disgusting they are fame hungry want to be like uh, on tv and and themselves it was so uh, a perfect example of what is happening in that world and i think that uh, something similar could be happening in the documentary world now because i feel like there was some some documentary watched a while back and I said, I felt like this is too soon. Like we don't have the whole story here mm-hmm. and they're just forcing this out. And I think it was the, that con artist guy who. Tinder swindler? Tinder swindler. I was okay. like, that swindler guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Tinder swindler. <laughs> that swindler. Yeah. Yeah. I was because like, this doesn't feel like the full, and it feels, even though it's a real story, it just is like. It didn't get to ferment try- and... Yes. Yeah. We're trying to create reality TV, what reality TV was with these documentaries. And it's really... Um, it's consequential. I yeah, And the article was saying how like a documentary typically um, is expected that 10 minutes in a documentary takes about a month to edit. So in post-production, 10 minutes takes a month. And so you'd get a nine-month edit schedule. And now the edit schedules are between five and six months. Uh-huh. Because they need to churn them out faster, which means sloppier work. See? Yeah. It means cutting corners. Yep. They're starting to pay participants, which has never been what happens in documentaries because that... Ne- right. It that changes means, people's... Yeah. Because you don't get an authentic... You get somebody performing. When I watched Sins of Our Mother, I felt like that son was performing. Well, we got to look into it, but uh, people have been messaging me saying that he was arrested for sexual assault or battery right before that came out. And I don't know that I get I think it was creepy vibes ex, from him, his wife. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I do. There's something I get where I'm like, mm, something ain't right. Mm, 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 mm. Yep. You were I, right I about that. Feel it. Wow. Sometimes they're <sighs> fan fiction. 
I know. It really it's not wrong. I know. I know. But now somewhere there is a dad at medieval times. <laughs> right. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, the divorce dad past episodes on medieval times. It was very funny. The documentarians are starting to hire story producers, which no. if you're not familiar no. is, is what is used in reality TV to make story out of things there are no stories involved. Yes. This is the, Yep. There you go. Right. It. It's so That's disturbing. They're it's starting, so, we need to come ah! They're starting to frank and bite, which is what reality <sighs> shows do. And so I guess because I'm a documentary lover, I wanted to encourage our audience to be judicious about yes. what they're viewing and like think about who produced it and why. And um like an example of like a traditional documentarian would be Ken Burns. He's and a lot of his documentaries would be way too slow for most viewers of Netflix, but he does like World War Two, the Holocaust, baseball. He has a whole documentary series on baseball. Mm-hmm. And that was the one exception he made to paying his participants. He paid the um Negro League players mm-hmm. because he felt like nobody should be profiting oh. off these guys anymore. Good. Without compensating them. So that was the only exception he made. Good. And then oh. HBO and CNN, they still refuse to pay their subjects because they are journalists. They're following journalistic standards. But uh-huh. most places will be fine if you pay your, like Hulu, Netflix, all that mm-hmm. jazz. Okay. Well, the, uh, well I mean, I, I, this is like a, a completely different subject, but I do want to say about netflix paying things like they're not paying people for the documentaries or they are paying people for the documentaries but i'm kind of mad at them for not paying people like the uh like jeffrey dahmer's victims or the families of his victims where they're taking the exact likeness of the person their exact words and a lot of them are black women and not paying them a single fucking penny for basically creating a character and profiting off of of yeah what like they re-traumatizing. said re-traumatizing yeah it's i hate that so well and they didn't even ask permission that was really what I'm, the family i was think it's i like about. refuse to watch it because i'm like mad mad yeah that. i didn't watch it it's either fucked up good let's talk yeah. about uh, what how we're so excited to be partnering with a company called julie <gasps> yeah this is the freaking best. This is I the like teared best. up and cried when I found out. She I'm not did. even kidding. When I found out this was one of our sponsors because I'm so excited for this. And if you don't believe us, if you're a patron, you can watch this video. Oh. She did it while we were recording before we started recording the audio. Um, yeah, because, okay, Julie is a morning after pill. If you're not familiar, a morning after pill stops pregnancy before it starts. So this is yes. a preventative product. Um, it's FDA approved. It is an emergency mm-hmm. contraception. So let's mm-hmm. be clear about what that is and how important it is that people have access to contraception and yes. family planning. Right? Yes. yes. These choices are complex. They're stressful. And they... Uh, affect the most vulnerable people far more than the people Mm -hmm. with access to everything. So you can, 
this Julie stops your body from releasing an egg using the same active ingredient as plan B. Essentially, Julie works by preventing or delaying your ovulation with no egg. There's no fertilization and therefore no pregnancy. And it's no risk to future fertility. Yes. This is all good news. Yes. Um, you can find Julie at Walmarts across the United States of America, mm-hmm. or you can order online to have it for the future, just yes. in case. Like maybe holidays are coming up. Maybe you have siblings. Maybe you want to put this in their stockings. <laughs> I did this. Sarah said she used to do this for her brothers, which is yes. genius. I love it. It's great. It's legal in all 50 states. You don't yes. need an ID. You do not need a prescription, and you do not need yes. a credit card to get it. You can go to juliecare.co to learn more or find Julie at your nearest Walmart today. That's juliecare.co to learn more. Love it. So honored to be working with them. It's so wonderful and so, I don't know, heavy that we have to get so excited like that. It feels like, wow, a little bit of power to make our own choices about things that we want and even just like contraception. It's just like, wow. contraception. Can't Come on. emphasize like, that enough. Right. Okay. Freaking condom at 7-Eleven. What the heck? <laughs> Anyways. Actually, it's funny that you brought up um, Jeffrey Dahmer actually because I did not watch that series on Netflix, which is very popular right now, but... I have read Lionel Dahmer's book, mm-hmm. um, which is his dad. Yes. And I've watched a lot of interviews with him. He was on Oprah. He was on Larry King. Um, he was a, he is, he's still alive, a really remarkable person. Um, I think a lot of people, including me, whenever I hear somebody's done these terrible things, mm-hmm. I assume, like, what happened? What went wrong? What did your right. parents do? How were you traumatized? And, you know, these things are complicated and um, there's so many things that can happen in the course of a life. But his dad was a scientist and um, a very gentle seeming person who um, probably took the approach of a lot of dads in the 70s where, like, you earn the paycheck and you are nice to your kid and you play with them, but, like, you're not... The way this it was is, a time they yeah. didn't allow dads in the delivery room when they were, like, yeah, babies. Like, imagine how disconnected from that whole even yeah. child experience you are when you're like, no, no, you don't even have to come in here. You just there like, were different expectations for sure. Totally. But considering that he was still very involved and loving parent, and he when he wrote his book, he wanted to sort of like his idea was to prevent this. So he named some things that he could recall that. Looking back, he's like, really? now I see them through a totally different lens. What but were the, those, some of those things? Um, he named, like, one time they had, like, a, a vermin problem under oh, yeah, yeah. with, like, something similar to, like, a raccoon. I forget what the name is. But it was killing, like, pests. And so they had to go under the house and, like, get all the dead animals. Mm-hmm. And the, he was putting the bones into a bucket to, like, just retrieve them. And Jeff showed a lot of interest in the bones. Nothing that scared the dad, but mm-hmm. looking back, of course, you think, hmm, that's mm-hmm. a lot a of interest. Feel your curiosity. Yeah. And like, um, he didn't know it at the time, but during the trial, he found out that like when they would go fishing and they would catch a fish, that Jeff was very interested in the in- innards 
of the Mm -hmm. creatures. Mm -hmm. But then what I thought about with him and with John Wayne Gacy, they both murdered people that they were sexually involved with. Uh Um, And funnily enough, since we talked about it last time, Jeff picked up his first guy as a hitchhiker. (laughs) Um, But... I think that that... Uber, stopping murders <laughs> yeah. since 2000-whatever. Right. But it seems like there was probably a lot of shame regarding their sexuality. Yes, I th- for sure. And so there That's was, probably a huge... I don't think that that's a coincidence. in... Yeah. And because of that shame, maybe early on, their wires got crossed. Mm-hmm. I don't know the details... Mm-hmm. But it seems like that is an important thing to note. For sure. Um, and then... And different. That's like a standout in... It's a different kind of rage or a different kind of anger. Yeah. That's maybe directed... Yes. Yes. Yeah, self-loathing. And then it reminded me of, I loved the book Columbine, and there was a TED Talk by um, Dylan Harris's mom, one of the Columbine mm, shooters. Yeah. And she talked about how, like, she wished that she had gone through her kid's, like, room more. And yeah. when she found something or when there was an incident, took it more seriously mm-hmm. instead of thinking, If you see like, something, say something. Yeah. Like, for real. And, like, don't make excuses for your kid, which... I know from experience that is definitely an instinct to be like, Mm -hmm. to want to think, well, they probably did it for this reason. But Mm -hmm. not that you can't do that, but just to not brush Mm -hmm. it away. Well, recognize that the brain's job is to protect itself. The brain's job is to protect itself from even harsh realities. So it is a parent's instinct, like you said, to say... No, 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 they couldn't have done that because that's the brain protecting itself from what that reality really looks like. Yeah, which is probably really painful. Like the most painful. I do not. I, I, my grandmother was a very, very, is a very, very religious woman. And she, despite all my attempts to have real conversations with her, never was able to recognize the ways that her son had hurt me and the reality of the situation. And so it was easier for her and for her own. Well, because she would have to re do the narrative and also look at her. Yeah. Her own. Look at herself. What, what did I do that, that created this? If that is true, then I messed up somewhere. And that is a reality that people can't, even entertain like instinctive like our brain can't do it this isn't intentional it's not like somebody says oh i'd like to not look at that their brain protects them from that in the same way that when my mom had her accident where she broke like fucking every bone in her body she can't remember what happened even before she left the rest her brain is like blocked out a whole chunk it's like no you can't you you will not be able to survive this so their brain's we don't get to decide what it thinks and what it does. We, we, it'll just automatically do it. I always tell clients, you're not responsible for your first thought or first feeling. You are responsible for your second thought and first action. Mm-hmm. So you can have that first thought of no, that, and uh, unless you have the second thought that challenges that 
you're not you're that's going to be the one that mm-hmm. you hold on to and they they can't it's an automatic thought that they oh, nope nope nothing happened everything's fine yeah it. so it to me is a reminder that even though it can be really painful that maybe life's not turning out the way you hoped or your child is troubled in some way that it's worth investigating and not sweeping under the carpet because who knows what could have happened if Jeffrey or John Wayne Gacy or the Mm -hmm. Columbine shooter had experienced some sort of intervention that like the asteroid put them on a different path. Totally. Like think about the times where you've been maybe alone in your own thoughts and you just, create a narrative that is one way. Oh my gosh, I'm the worst. I'm whatever it is. And then you talk to one other person, a friend or a partner or a colleague. And they're like, no, you're fine. Like that is, you don't have to worry about that. That And you're like, oh, you're right. Imagine if whatever you're experiencing was so shameful or so, um, in your mind, unshareable that you just lived with that and you didn't have anybody else kind of validate you or make you feel like, oh yeah, that's a human. That's fine. It's okay. That we tend can to spiral. intensify. Yes, mm-hmm. we'll intensify it if we don't have somebody to jump in and challenge it. And that's why um, parents, we need parents who are attuned to their children. That's why maybe a father at that time who's not attuned distant, to the needs of their yeah. kids and who is distant mm-hmm. isn't able to pick up on that as mu- as well as he should have. And I would imagine there might be something going on with mom where she was a little more checked out. Or, yeah, see? Okay. Yeah, she had some mental health issues and stuff. But oh, lots of pe- oh. it's all it's always that story of like, well, lots of people have a dad that just worked right. and really wasn't like super lovey-dovey. Mm-hmm. And lots of people have a mom who's a little... Right. But right. he had the recipe. Right. And you don't know whether you or your child does. Right. So don't ignore it. I always... Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Think about, even though I, I don't frequently go scuba diving, I can't tell you how often I m- refer in my mind to the training that I did for scuba diving where in a you know pool indoor pool 12 foot deep pool for hours and you know for I don't know, six weekends however long it was that i did it you practice the worst case scenario yes in hopes that the wor- you anticipate the worst case scenario yeah. in hopes that the worst case scenario doesn't happen well that when i saw chris rock he did a whole bit about how like when donald trump became president and how like Truthfully, most of us could probably be president unless something goes wrong, like a pandemic. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's what you're saying. Right. That ev- anyone can wor- scuba dive. Right, 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 right. Until something goes wrong and then it's like, oh, shit. Right. You have to have the skills for when the unthinkable happens. Right. So yeah. it is very rare that there is that perfect recipe for potential serial killer. Yes. Totally. Right. But but wouldn't it be great if we all had the awareness of the parenting skills or the I would say emotional intelligence. Yeah. To recognize self-destructive harmful well, uh, that's, uh, predictive behavior. 
That's not really possible because most people are fucking annoying, but <laughs> <laughs> like so, ill-equipped, yeah. you know? Yeah. But when I talk to all these killers, a lot of them say if the school system had oh. resources. Oh. Right? Yep. Because then you have an totally. intervening situation. Totally. And not punitive, not criminal. You don't want people locked up. You want no. someone to be rehabilitated before they yeah. even become a problem. Yeah. Because so, that's all it takes is maybe one good teacher, one go- good school psychiatrist, you know, yes. to. Yeah. But we're a long way from that. But anyway, I just find it Yeah, I have a friend who's a school psychiatrist, and they just... Oh, oh no. Oh, I couldn't believe this. State of California. Tell me. My friend Jessie was a teacher. Well, now she's in Colorado, but shout out to Jessie. She went to a... Um, a teacher conference where they were, it was when teachers went on strike in California. And I was like, what are you going on strike for? And she said, you know, one of the things we're, we're fighting for the, a, to, a change in the ratio of school uh, of teachers and students to school counselors. You know what the ratio they settled on was what? 500 to one because it was fucking worse before that. Wow. The fact that one school psychiatrist is responsible, or school therapist, counselor, is responsible for 500. You, I mean, how? And it's not like every single one of those people have a problem. But that is like what they say. Oh, yeah, you know, of 10% of these probably have an issue. So what? Then you have 50 clients? That's still too much. Like, it's insane what they are, what's on their plate. We do not have enough resources. And then yeah. remember we talked about many podcast episodes ago about how uh, they weren't allowing yo- or mindfulness in school because it was too close to Buddhist practices and a bunch yeah. of Christian fucking religious nuts with a stick up their ass were getting all angry <laughs> about this. Come on. <laughs> that actually is a good segue to my next topic, which is um, CJ, a brainiac, sent me mm. this article. I was so psyched to read it, and I can't believe I didn't see it on my own. It was a New York Times article exploring that fucking weird moment in the 80s and 90s when therapists started getting super into repressed memories. Yeah. Nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I went, I, watched, I went to a whole seminar on this. What are they saying now to you guys? Like, about what repressed memories? Yeah, yeah. Are they still like, yeah, I find those? Or are they like that was a bad idea? Well, it's not as uh, m- memories are not as pulled out of people. They're more organically brought to the surface by the client. Mm-hmm. The client goes like, I know it's certain things like EMDR. Mm-hmm. I did EMDR, and it was like a key that unlocked a mm, a whole bunch of memories that I had stored away to kind of protect myself as a child, but it allowed me the opportunity to process them as an adult, but they were absolutely my own. They weren't... Um, like they uh, were present all along, but you weren't yes. like going to think about them or explore them. And it them. wasn't something that was like put there by a therapist there where it was like but i think that's a nuance that a lot of dum-dums don't really know the difference between what you're describing versus these lunatics in the 80s and 90s who were like i got hypnotized and turns Mm -hmm. out i was gang raped like these crazy violent 
memories that they had never knew about or thought about Mm -hmm. ever before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this article was so helpful because it was like, okay, do you remember that book that I talked about on the show called, and I interviewed the author, the book is called Sleeping Beauties, and the author talks about in the book how things that are, we would typically label like psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people classify certain like chronic fatigue or um, fibromyalgia, things that mm-hmm. migraines even, mm-hmm. things oh, that tend even, to affect women. I even, when I Googled uh, dust mites and my allergic reaction to that, there was a whole bunch that came back on psychosomatic reaction to like feeling like there's bugs crawling on you and feeling like there's, and I'm like, numb. But that, wow. that's another that I had I had well, one doctor who told who thought it was psychosomatic. And then when I brought in the piece of tape with the fucking dust mite on it, they were like, <laughs> Oh yeah, actually that is dust mite. It's actually real. I was like, I'm gonna have to get evidence for these fuckers. Okay. Well, a lot of these things that are confusing to physicians or and even confusing to patients. Right. Um, are dismissed as like yeah. it's all in your head, just whatever. Which the author, Susan O'Sullivan is her name, Suzanne O'Sullivan, um, said it's true and false. Like it's all in your head in the sense that there is no cancer or something that's causing the symptom, but it's real in the sense that nobody's faking. Correct. That there are things that cause people to believe that whatever they're feeling is real, whatever. So... Um, they were describing how, like, sometimes, like, cultural influences. I'll actually read her. Let me read Mm -hmm. her quote so I don't mischaracterize. We embody narratives, she explained. Some are told to us by powerful people, doctors, politicians, activists, public figures, celebrities, If a model for illness is vivid enough and the basis for the illness is sufficiently salient, it is easily internalized by the individual and then passed from person to person. So if you think about this issue of like, you know, the... the, All of diagnosis, all mental, it fits into that. If you go to a therapist and they're like, but yes. are you sure you don't have, didn't something happen to you? And they start like right. suggesting the human mind is pretty malleable. Correct. Yes. If people who you trust, who are in positions of power. And that's that, what happened. That is what I mean of like, it's not therapy, therapist induced. It's not like therapist going, mm, what do you, it's at, not at all. Back it's just, then it was. Then it was. Because of like movies sure. like Sybil. Do you remember that movie yeah. with the multiple yeah. personalities? Yeah. Which had been, which Just afterwards, like, it was based on a true story, which was then right. debunked, but it was right. too late. Because it's like not a thing. We get like But all of a sudden at that time, and, right. people started being like, I had trauma and now I have several personalities. And they weren't lying. They believed right. it. Right. But the, this article was, it was an opinion article. So it was cautioning... <sighs> Mental okay. health professionals yes. to be yes. aware that, about that. This, there was a lot of pushback in my class when we talked about this. About but the multiple. Not this, 
this kind of subject. Okay, okay, let's hear. But if you look at studies Mm -hmm. of women in different cultures on um, menopause, that is not something that is universally experienced. Okay. That is something that... What do you mean? A, menopause? People yeah, like keep bleeding forever? No, no, no. I mean the sim- things that come with menopause. Oh. Like, And I think that they also... There were some... Um, that... that <sighs> there was information on like this shift that happened that... that like changes in, I don't know, behavior, personality, or experiences that a lot of these things were things that we societally almost like expect as we age. And maybe there's more of a psychological connection to the ending of our menstrual cycle and what that does to our identity as women and the symptoms that come with that. And if you are in a culture that has more respect and appreciation for the elderly, they don't come have on premenstrual symptoms in the same way. Like collectivist cultures don't experience at uh, the same intensity the way Western cultures do. Come on, I didn't believe it either. I was like, "There's." I remember like getting like I'm like, "Nope, there's no way. That's totally it's a it's a thing." And there was it wasn't consistent. Well, then I'm gonna have it super bad because like I definitely don't want to get old, <laughs> right? You get all this. Like I'm already having. I pre. I have premenopause disorder right now. Sarah's whatever. Perimenopausal right now. Yes. At I'm the that. age of 36. Yeah. Oh my Don't god! Don't laugh. I had a friend who went in. It was per, like premenopause or perimenopause, whatever it's called, at 40 something. 40. Oh yeah. No, that's yeah, not. That's a thing. Unheard of for sure. But right. you're only 36. You're I know. I always 40. round up. I'm like, I'm fucking, <laughs> like, like my mom gave me one the other day. She gave me one of those. What do you know? You like, or you'll, you'll understand when you're older things. Yeah. And I was like, will I, <laughs> how much older? Like, do I need to get? we're already at the, I can't thread a needle without my glasses. Faces. I think I'm having a hot flash right now. Just thinking right? about it. All the time I do. Like, I mean, like, yeah, those are like, I, those are real, but you know. Okay, so it's funny. I don't know. Every single menopausal woman is going to come, like, write in and be like, "What? My symptoms are." Look, I'm telling you, this was a real. This was something that no, I learned in my sex, my sex, uh, sex and reproduction class, or the the sexual health class, and I was like, I don't believe it. And I remember being so mad that week, but then like the studies were fucking right. Well, this article pointed out how in America, in the West, we have yeah. an egocentric view of you know the individual culture. We have this idea that our minds are all powerful, right? That yes. we can just will ourselves uh-huh. out of depression. We can just, you know, will ourselves to feel a certain way. And uh-huh. so the Western cultures are very um, resistant to accepting the idea that maybe you actually weren't abused, like these memories aren't real. Uh-huh. That you've been, you know, your mind has been manipulated. Right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Why that gets so tricky is that one of the <clears throat> symptoms of being like, it's like childhood abuse. Yeah. Is your mind denying the, it actually happening in order to try to protect itself. 
So there have been many times where my mind has been like, maybe that didn't happen. Maybe you just made it all up. Maybe that's, and then it goes, no, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. And then I go mm. to therapist to tell, uh, talk about it. I'm like, fuck, no, that's real. And, you know. I get, you know how we always say like self-awareness is the antidote. It's almost yeah. like if you think you might be losing it, you're not. Right. Right. It's like, like that's what I would say. If you think you're think crazy. Right. That's what I would say about with, with parents. I'm like, guys, if you're worried, oh my God, I'm going to be the worst parent. Don't worry. You're already better than the worst parents because they are like thinking that they're the best and don't have to change a thing. Yeah. There's some, there's, there's nobody out there. there that's perfect and doesn't have to, like, if we're not constantly on the uh, journey towards like bettering ourselves, even if it's like in little way, like, isn't that like the point? Yeah. Just like, even if it's like, I don't know, get fucking better at, nah, whatever you play, bridge, do that. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, like, it said how 20% of people surveyed who went to treatment sometime in the past five decades reported being treated by therapists mm -hmm. who suggested the possibility that the client had repressed memories of abuse. You should not really be like, no. You should not be suggesting that. fucking anything. Those are there's an old school of therapists that's like yeah. And and here's the thing: they're not doing their job. This is why we have CEUs. This is why we have continuing education units that you're required to get in order to maintain a license. This is exactly why you have to go because we learn more things. We studies change. You're you, and I think maybe. Maybe there was that that one client who did have memories that they, you know, repressed in some way and they were real. But then and you get all that like, oh, yeah, that worked. That was amazing. And you want to almost recreate that same experience in future clients. And that's not a good approach to have. Yeah. But in every field, you know, the so joke, there's consult, some bad consult, apples. Consult. Yeah. yeah. But um, I just think like... I don't know. I just want to be people to be aware of it and just sort yeah. of like, because do you remember like at that time, Roseanne was probably the prime example of somebody who claimed that she had these repressed memories and her dad had abu sexually abused her. Mm -hmm. She went on all these talk shows. She wrote a book about it. And then, then later was like, oh, whoops. No, he, he didn't. I was wrong. And then now they've reconciled and stuff. Wow. I just feel like what I know myself, my own story, and like there is no – Yeah, no. It would be the opposite. I'm, I'm it would almost to be like you, if you – Oh, no, I know yeah, this. okay. But it, like how different that feeling is for anybody who maybe like goes, well, was mine the word? No. No. Like how different those two are. That if I sit and think about it, if I were to write a book that said, oh, nothing happened, my conscious would – eat me alive because it would be like that's things did my conscience says it keeps reminding me like yeah this did just so you nobody's know nobody's like you're suggesting it to you nobody's suggesting in fact i feel opposite. like you've yeah, yeah. <laughs> even i've been opposite. like are you sure i yeah. mean there that probably happens to you a lot and nobody's being like but 
but did he touch you? <laughs> right. Nobody's the opposite. That. They're yeah. like, no, he did. I'm like, <laughs> I could have sworn. I can describe how things were positioned on the nightstand. Yeah. You know, like I can still draw that room. To, I think about that all the time. Like how burned in there that those memories are. I know. And you've shared some of those details with me and they're so specific and they're so mm-hmm. like mundane. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is because yeah. we remember, what are they called? It's called, um, uh, oh my God, there's two types of, this is exactly what happens in trauma is that you remember the, like people something say, details. like I stared at the tiles right. and I counted you remember how many the, dots there were. Something details. Yeah. I can't, it's like central details or peripheral details. You only remember peripheral details. Right. I only remember like the water bottle was this color yes and this but i don't remember the thing i can't remember because your brain is like no wow that's so interesting i can yeah. think of peripheral versus central details you anyway. can remember the color of the sheets what the spots on the ceiling looked like the lighting in the room how something smelled but you can't remember what led up to it because yeah oh, or the actual yep anybody who is yeah. a survivor knows exactly what we're talking about so um yeah, different Okay, we've we've said too much. We've gone on too long. (laughs) Um, So we'll wind it down. But thank you to the Brainiac who sent me that, CJ. That was such a great article, and I hadn't seen it, and I was so excited to read it. Um, Let's perform some beauty and talk about – oh, Richard Simmons. No, I'm just, like, winding it down. Oh, because okay, we okay, talked about it. performing beauty. Got it. Got it. Richard oh, Simmons. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. I was like, oh, was poor guy. Yes, just yes, yes. let that guy yeah. alone. My God. Yeah. I do think it's yeah. weird to like just drop off the earth, but like, okay, just mm-hmm. do that. You don't owe yeah. us anything, Richard. He doesn't owe that. Right. That's it. <clears throat> I, I used to do a bit in my after... act about how like, what if Richard? Because he's never like formally come out of the closet. Like we all just right. know he is. And I used to do a bit in my act about like, what if like this has been a big misunderstanding. What if he's like, straight? What if yeah, that's like, what he was hiding? I love pussy. Like yeah. I did this whole thing about <laughs> oh, it. Because like, wouldn't so that be funny. terrible? What if yeah. that's what he's sad about? He's that sad everyone thinks he's, he's gay. Like, yeah. Oh, it's the gosh. wine's kicking in. Okay. Uh, documentaries. Uh, Bling Ring. Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know. We yeah. covered a lot, Sarah. Yeah. It's so crazy, that Bling. It was... Yeah. And to think that... There is somebody in the bling ring. It's Diana. That's her name, Diane. Okay. She That's married. Like, no, Sarah. A guy who went to camp with me and was like really close friends with my ex-boyfriend. Sarah's friends with the bling ring. I am. Basically. Yep. Yep. Had I stayed in that relationship, I guarantee you, I've I've been to a barbecue with her. I've been to a, a Halloween party <laughs> with her. Barbecue. Yeah. I went to a 70s birthday party with a 70s wow. themed birthday party. Your life is very weird. Bling ring. <laughs> That's crazy. Great. I know. At least it's you've so never weird. been to a barbecue with Jeffrey Dahmer. <gasps> at, at, at least. That is not funny, Susan. Cannibal jokes are not funny. Okay, let's well, let's just well. move on and go um, on with our lives. Check out our merch. Subscribe. We love you guys. Thank so you much. so much for the good reviews. We love you. Bye. Bye.